Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, House of Havoc proudly presents their podcast tag team champions of the world, the big guy Chris Johansson, the muskrat Alicino, and as always, I'm that J-I-double-M-Y, the death of Kayfabe! The summer of 2002 was a time of transition in the WWE. Back in March, the WWF had lost a lawsuit to the World Wildlife Federation and was forced to change the name of the company from the World Wrestling Federation to World Wrestling Entertainment. Stone Cold Steve Austin, arguably one of the biggest stars in the history of the WWF, had taken his ball and gone home. The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, was on his way out to pursue his acting career. Hulk Hogan's most recent run had come to an end. The Attitude Era was over, and a new era, the Ruthless Aggression Era, was taking shape. The next big thing, Brock Lesnar, would emerge as the top guy in the company. The returning Shawn Michaels makes his in-ring return beginning the run that would cement his legacy as one of the greatest wrestling performers of all time. The crop of phenomenal new talent, including John Cena, Batista, and Randy Orton, would soon be coming into their own. The summer of 2002 was was certainly a new and interesting time in the WWE that culminated in one of the most loaded summer slams in history. Take a journey back to summer summer of 2002 with the boys from the death of kayfabe as we look at the SummerSlam 2002. This is Flashback Friday. So let's be honest for a second. I'm wearing Saatchi De Dinero. This hoodie, this has got to be the most comfortable thing that I've worn in a while. So if you're going to wear this, make sure you wear it on Monday. Why? Because it's motivated money-making Monday morning, baby. And if it's not Monday, you better make sure it's on a Friday. It's Fresh Cut Friday on Fresh Fit Friday. And we got codes for this the holiday season. What are they? The code is HAVOC, H-A-V-O-C, at checkout for 10% off your total purchase. That's SachiDDenero.com. Brand new release, brand new arrivals, the new Sachi hoodie. It's got the logo embossed on the hood. They're available in clay and gray blue. You want to go get those fast. Come on, go get it now. Sachi D. Dinero, always authentic, never counterfeit. The 15th annual SummerSlam took place on August 25th in Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum, making it the first of the big four. WWE pay-per-views to complete the New York metropolitan area triple crown, having SummerSlam already did the Garden three times and Izod Center twice. Total attendance was 14,797 people. And that's that, right? Well, the first, there was the first under the WWE banner. All right. Also, first pay-per-view under the WWE banner. Just had the change from WWF May of 2002. This card had eight matches, seven singles matches, and one tag match. The show opened up, Kurt Angle defeating Rey Mysterio, followed by Flair defeating Chris Jericho, then Edge over Eddie Guerrero, the Un-Americans, Christian and Lance Storm, becoming champions, defeating Booker T and Goldust, Rob Van Dam defeating Chris Benoit, The Undertaker defeating Test, Shawn Michaels defeating Triple H, and the main event, Brock Lesnar going over The Rock. So without further ado, let's kick it off with how we feel about the first match of the night. Kurt Angle, Rey Mysterio, what did you like about it? What did you not like about it? I know one of the main points is that the match didn't go on very long, right? But two talented workers. The whole card featured many Hall of Famers, future Hall of Famers. Um, what, do you, what do you think? Uh, I mean, at the time, Kurt Angle was probably the the top wrestler in the world. I mean, just 
in overall performance and in ring presence, and he's going up against the you know high flyer like Mysterio. You really you couldn't ask for a hotter opener, in my opinion. James? Yeah, no, it's a fantastic way to open the show. Uh, great way if you're a faster, smaller, high flying wrestler. Watch this match. Learn how to work with a more grounded, more technical opponent. Definitely. Other than the finish, they botched the the angle, the ankle dro- ankle lock off of the top rope. Yeah, they did. Other yeah. than that, damn near perfect. Um, and I got to give the shout out. That's the way you do a falsy on the six one nine West Coast pop. Exactly. Great kick out. Great falsy. That's how you do it. Like we do too many of the nonsensical falsies today. Right. That's one you really appreciate. Well, it's the, it was like the definition of a false finish. Like you didn't know, you know, the match could have been over right then, but it wasn't, you know. And like great sell job. Sure. Spiked him on his head. Yep. Yeah, it's definitely a good way to open the show. I think it definitely got the crowd involved. And then now you move to the second match of the night, Ric Flair versus Chris Jericho. And a, a note here, both of the first two matches ended by submission. But uh, Jim, what's your take on that one? I mean, this, it's classic Ric Flair. It's what is we've come to know as classic Jericho. I got to give the shout out to the Flair heel storytelling in this match. So many. He did three or four things that no one, <laughs> nothing gets done today. He has him in the, um, the suplex, has him so their bodies are blocking the ref, and he's hitting him with the short closed fist punches. This is important because closed fist punches are illegal in professional wrestling. Right. But today Roman Reigns' finisher is a fucking punch. So Big Shows was too. Yeah, for a certain point, <laughs> Big Shows was too. Well, that was when Vince changed it. Now, you know, now back then, that's you know, Flair was doing that as like a heel tactic. Yeah, like dirtiest player in the game. What, right. Yeah. That there's the grab the rope and tap at the same time, the phantom tap, and then he finishes him with the low blow into the figure four finish. So those were just three of the heel moves that you don't see as much today. What so far, just in this brief time that we're doing this, the common thread is going to be is you know how things were done then compared to how they're done now. And watching a lot of these older pay per views, when we go back and we do these flashback Fridays, you're going to see it's like a history lesson, and and just uh, it's like it, you could take that as a class. Like these wrestlers today should watch some of these and get tips and tricks. And you know, it's not all about how many you know loops and jumps you could do. It's about selling and put it, doing a, making the match a story. And Flair and Jericho, two of the best who ever did it at, at, at creating a story in the ring. Yeah, I agree with that. Quick quick note on the card, though. Um, most of these matches, I mean, you want to talk about a very balanced card. Most of these matches are around 10 to 11, 12 minutes long, with the exception of, I mean, Rob Van Dam and Benoit went 16. Uh, Michaels and Triple H went 28. And then the main event went 16. A very balanced card and a short card. We spoke about that. They really got right into it, right down to business. I think the whole show was two two forty seven, two forty two. I think two forty two, start to finish, and that's the way is, it should be done. Well, there's which is pro- great. This is this is on the Peacock. I mean, it's probably got a little bit more with ads and whatnot because you got to remember they got to put all those. They don't they what the the advertisements they might have had back then, the deals that they had back then, they probably don't have now, so they can't show that on Peacock. So right. it's still at three. I mean, you have to fill that three hour time period, but the timing of the show with the amount of matches, it was very right. smooth. But, but SummerSlam today goes four and a half, five hours long. Right, it's too long. No, yeah, the eight, eight matches and a three hour pay per view is uh, is basically perfect, especially if you time them out properly. And that they, they did that with this. My last piece on this match, if not very good, great professional wrestling match. Yes, we've gotten away from professional wrestling part of it over the last decade or so. Mm-hmm. So breath of fresh air. So. We're going to go to the third match, and I would just like to make another note that Angle, Mysterio, Flair, and Jericho, if they'll probably all be in the Hall of Fame. Oh, 100%. Right? So, you know, well, so... 
three of them are already. No, Jericho not in yet. Flair's in twice. Flair's in twice. I don't think Jericho's Angle, in. Angle's yet. in. Mysterio will be in. Yeah, and Jericho will Jericho be in. And Jericho will be, in. Will be in. I mean, if I'm I'm just looking at it real quick. And I then s- Eddie Edge are both in already, right? I, I see two guys that yeah. are very like that will not be in the Hall of Fame. Test will not be in the Hall of Fame unless like the WWE just runs out of guys. Oh, and Lance Storm. Lance Storm. You could so, argue. You could argue. You can make him. a lot of arguments for why he should be great worker, off camera. Great worker couldn't talk, but I mean, basically what? everybody else is bona fide Hall of Famer. Go, go down Isn't list, that amazing? Go down though? a list that everybody's been at the top of the game, not just in WWE, but across the the business for the last fifteen years. All of them were either trained by Lance Storm or trained by someone who trained who Lance Storm trained. Exactly. He's like yeah. the yeah. big daddy trainer. Yeah. Oh yeah. So that's amazing. So you look Especially at the card. Canada. You look at the card, and something that you don't see today, but you're seeing now is, well, I guess we won't know for 20 more years, right? But uh, future future Hall of Famers all over the place, guys that are not out of their prime, most of them in their prime or right. becoming in their prime. So, like I said, it was well done. We'll go. We'll go to the third match. Um, Edge defeats Eddie Guerrero. They gave him 12 minutes, so it was the longest match thus far in that card. Um, and that was a SmackDown match, correct? Yes, I believe so, yes. So this is the time period when the SmackDown show was better than the Raw show, in my opinion. And that that roster, the SmackDown roster, loaded. I mean, if you look at just Angle, Mysterio, Edge, Eddie Guerrero, um, Undertaker, I mean, Booker T. I think Booker T and Goldust were, were they Raw or SmackDown at that point? That was a Raw match. Okay, okay. But I'm just saying, just you have Edge, Eddie Guerrero, Kurt Angle, Rey Mysterio, Undertaker. Those are five bona fide <laughs> Hall of Famers. Yeah. And they were and I think Heyman was writing SmackDown at that point, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think I, I think we all could agree that Edge Guerrero right now in the present day WWE landscape or or present day wrestling landscape is would be a dream for everybody. Oh, to 100%. see that now. Like yeah. I think I we undervalued well, at least me, I undervalued it then. And I think Eddie I damn sure wouldn't undervalue it now. You know what I mean? Eddie, what do you Eddie think about was an match? artist in the ring, and, and as most of the world's most famous artists, they don't really get their recognition until the post Until history, they're gone, right? Which is what happened with Eddie, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Eddie, we miss you. The business needs you. Yeah. Um, but if you're, my, te- if you're telling a story, I'm sorry, I didn't mean no, to no, go ahead. If you're telling a story, these are the two guys you're going to tell a story with. Edge is, is a master at telling a story in the ring, and Eddie just, uh, again, just, yeah. and two guys who could work their asses off. You know what I mean? They went with the attack a limb storytelling uh, vehicle device here. So I kind of have two things about that. You like it because it's the easiest way to tell a story. I don't think I'm breaking new ground saying this. You ask any trainer, they're going to tell you the easiest way to tell a real story in the ring is to go with the attack a limbs. Whether you bring up in a promo (laughs) that you knew that they had a bum shoulder and you were going to attack it or something happens where they just hit the steel steps, and now we're going after the shoulder. That's what the Andersons are famous for. Ole and Arn Anderson, they would pick a body part, attack the body part for the entire match, and it would work into this, work itself into a story. Well, it definitely works itself so, in when you got a guy who's a high flyer too, who got a guy who yeah, his finisher is the top rope, you know. Well, and then they're also going. You're attacking Edge's shoulder for the spear, right? For the spear, exactly. right? Exactly. It's always gonna work in that way. They did the Fujiwara armbar. Mm-hmm. They do a whole bunch of you know, a whole bunch of real technical shit by Eddie here. The attack limb, you like it. It's like a double-edged sword because you like it, but it's almost a little hacky. You know, at a certain point, you kind of grade out. Not at this point in time, but especially today's landscape. You get to a certain point of skill level where you don't have to. If you're relying on the attack limb every time you're in the ring, not great. Did love it here. 
felt like it had a big fight feel, good good spot at the top of the card for these guys. Yep. So now we'll move to the only tag team match on the card, which is a not something you see every day now either, right? I mean, just one tag match. Yeah. yeah. Well, right? They only had on one, a SummerSlam. They only on had a, one set of tag belts at this uh, point. Right. I, yeah, I guess you're right. On a big so four. So did they right? jump shows, or they were just on Raw? Who's this? The on Americans. Whoever the tag champs were, tag champs were, exclusive I, to I, Raw at this point. If I remember correctly, I think they were mostly on, mainly on Raw. You know, I think they spent most of their time on Raw. But wasn't wasn't Test a member of the Un Americans? Yes, also? he was. Yes, yes. yes, I was just about to say that. And this was in the, that same time. Test interviewed Miss Yeah. In yeah. So the Un Americans, which is Christian Lance Storm and Test, but and Test is on the card later. Uh, but Christian and Lance Storm, they defeat Booker T and Goldust. And to, you said to become before to retain. To retain. You're right. Just yes, wanted you to correct right. you. Yep. On that. Uh, they had a nine and a half minute match, a little bit over. Uh, what do you think about it, Whitey? You know, it was a solid tag match. I think at the time, Booker T and Goldust were doing some of their best work as a tag team. You know, I mean, Booker T had his run on his arm, he'd obviously, but this was Goldust kind of coming back. From they didn't really know what to do with him and putting him with Booker T, it just it, it shouldn't have worked, and but it worked brilliantly. Yeah, all right, I agree. Um, I think they told a decent little story in the ring. Um, right guys went over because they were still trying to build the un-American faction. I mean, not really too much. I mean, again, ten minute tag match. It's hard for everybody to get their shit in. Yeah, and it's mid card. Like right. this is what it is. It's right. a mid card in a in a big event, and like I like we just spoke about, you had six Hall of Famers come before you. It's tough to. To you know, there's going to be a lull at some point. But so. now, and you had six Hall of Famers come before you, but you got three, if not four, in this match. Right. I uh, know. I know. You I know. know. It's insane. But you but you give four guys nine minutes to work, right? So what do you think? What, what are your thoughts? Not now. This was me taking my notes in real time on my rewatch a couple of days ago. Not necessarily a bad match, but the least entertaining on the card so far. Right. Yeah. Right. All right. So we'll move on. Again, it's a tag match. But you, you know. Four guys trying to get all this shit in, and, and and all four guys are singles guys. Now, I mean, Christian, yes, he was a tag guy for a long time. Booker yeah. T was a tag guy, but at this point, all four guys were singles. You know, so they're gonna want to get their single stuff in. Yeah, you and know? it's different. It's completely right. different. The one thing I want to say about Goldust before we keep going, I feel like you might be different about this because you were older. You could have already seen it. I feel like for our age, like the the Goldust character made it hard to realize how great of a goddamn worker this guy oh, was. Oh, a hundred percent for me was. Always was a hundred percent fifty something years old. He's he can getting it. My appreciation for uh, Goldust came later in life. Like I started to be like, wow, this guy is really. When he went on the run with Cody as Stardust. That's when I was like, this who could outwork this guy yeah, right now? That's forty years like, old. That's what I'm thinking. It was from day one. He's been the most adaptable wrestler because he started as the the Golden Boy. He was Dusty's son coming up through through WCW, and then they brought him over to the WWF and they put him in a in a, in a feud with the Million Dollar Man. And if you just think about all the different things that he's done on in his career, it's amazing. The most adaptable wrestler there is. Right, right, right. So we go after the tag team match. Now we have an intercontinental title match. We got Rob Van Dam defeating Chris Benoit, who was the champion. Right? Correct? Can Chris I, Benoit was the champion. Yeah, and go Rob ahead, Van Dam. Can I just say something before we get into any Benoit? I think it, this has you have to say something. Is that, you know, I know forever his legacy will be tarnished. But I remember Benoit as one of the greatest wrestlers in the history of, the, of, of wrestling. The guy was phenomenal. And and I, I don't condone what he did, you know, with his family of and course how not. everything ended up. I mean, it's horrendous. But just to, to preface this, if I speak glowingly about Chris Benoit, it's because he was a phenomenal wrestler and not 
because of what he did. I just want to make that clear. Yeah. I no, think I, 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 I think you have to say that because we're going to be doing these flashback Fridays. And, and he's going to come up a lot. He's going to come I, up. So, I, mean, I feel this way. I've always felt this way. Benoit is one of the greats. He really was one of the greats. Would have gone down as, you know, maybe making a top 20 list one day if exactly. what happened didn't happen. But I don't, like, can we not paint Benoit to be as evil? Because we know now it was CTE. We didn't have a word for it then, but we've proven it was CTE. And watch him miss that diving headbutt in this match. Right. Yeah. That's a concussion. Yeah. He did that move fucking 300 nights a year. Yes. Vince was not held responsibly enough for no. what happened, in my opinion. Right. But it's di- it's just different, you know? They... You see, I understand what you're saying, but you didn't we know. Didn't do a whole pod just yeah, the you didn't. Story. You didn't. I just, again, I just, well, I just wanted to put it out there. I don't condone what he did. Yeah, no one does. And, How could you? And but... I don't. I can't defend it in any way, shape, or form. But I will defend the fact that in ring, there at this time period, there wasn't too many people that were better than Chris. Benoit. Right. So, what do you think about? We'll we'll go straight to you. What do you think about that match? I mean, you got two of the best workers in the business at this time going together, and you know, RVD was on his way up. Benoit was kind of still at that mid-card level. He wasn't until next year. That's when he was going to... Keep, yeah, keep going. This was when he was going to uh, to take that next step, Benoit. But at this point, he was mid-card. And again, they they had they had a little bit more time than, than some of the other matches, which was great. You know, really helped them out. I think Van Dam for me... I did enjoy it. I did enjoy what he brought to the table. It was, something, it was always something different. I never, ever, ever, in my opinion viewed Van Damme as a world like a world champion, like a main event player. I always I did view Benoit that way. Were you were you watching consistently at this point? Or are you like a little I was well I was ten. Okay. You know? So it's like, yeah, I was, but well he was this as much as a ten year old can you know what I mean? As much as a ten year old can absorb right. is how much I was kind of absorbing at that point. Now looking back, I still feel that way. Am I wrong for that? No. I mean here's the thing about the thing about RVD is that no no company ever put their full trust in him except for Paul Heyman when he was in ECW. Right. Because he was a huge pot smoker. And, and not he, only a pot smoker, but a pot advocate. You know what I mean? And, and he, he would get in trouble. And he would, you know, he would say to Vince things like, Listen, I'm gonna pay you up front. I'm gonna get every time you give me a drug test, I'm gonna get popped for it. So Vince would never fully say that, you know, go with him. How can I put him over? When, How can I make him the guy when... Yeah, he's telling me I'm just he's going to go... What do you think about the match? Cra- it's a crazy idea to think about that because... At this point. All these... No, but even then, like, all these guys are doing fucking opiates and painkillers and drinking their fucking face off every night. This guy wants to deal with yeah, but his that, body through hell. But it's, it's like what he said. It's like what he said. This These flashback... Episodes are history yeah, lessons. A lot of hindsight. They this, are history lessons. This is this is this took place in August of two thousand two. I mean, not till August of this year will it be twenty years, and already twenty years ago. What the way Pot is looked at now compared to back then? I mean, right now, you take RVD of then, put him right now, he's probably a world champ. Oh, he's probably he's, top oh, top he's, guy in the in the top, world. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. He was probably. he was revolution. I mean, even with Mysterio and Guerrero and Benoit and all these other high flying guys. He was doing things that you couldn't even think were, were unimaginable. Right. Ring, That's what, what I'm mean? saying. Any any take on the match before we move on? I They told a really good story. It was a slower match, but it was very technical and super intense. And let reiterate it, Benoit really was one of the greatest. Benoit comes through the curtain, and it's already got a big fight feel. Right. Just, yeah. just walking through 100%. the curtain. It's like, he had that ability, though. Right. To, and he was like a little guy. I mean, yeah. he wasn't. A, he was jacked up, but oh, he yeah. was not He was not like a, a five Lesner nine, right? 5'10", yeah. yeah. So that match went 16 and a half minutes. So, you know, they got some time. They got they they definitely got some time. And that I think that built momentum back up 
for this card now. If 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 you say that, I think we all agree. If you say that that was the slowest match, the tag team match, I think this starts building back up to that. Okay, we're we're on the right track again. So now you go, Undertaker. He defeats Test, and I know you have things you want to say. So I'll go to Jim first. How do you feel about it? First and foremost, American Badass Taker, amazing, as always. This was at the end of it, though. Yeah. I mean, he had another, not even a year left with this character. And they had already, this was the not the rolling version of the Dead Man no. Walking Song, which bummed me out a little bit. Test fucking sucked. I'm just going to say it is what it is. God rest his soul. So much potential. Sucked. So much Size, potential. 6'7", is the only reason he was where he was. If he was sick, like regular size, 6'2", 240. Regular size. I'm sitting here 5'9", 150. Regular <laughs> size for the business at the time. He couldn't talk. He, You say he could work and maybe he could, but like he worked like big guy shit. Like slow, no, boring big guy shit. If you're going to be a big guy, you got to give me more than a side slam, a big boot, and a choke slam. W- one note before I go to Whitey or his take on it. You did say that. You believe Tess got way too much offense in. That's what I was just about to say. It made me mad watching how much offense he got in on Taker in this match. Well, you understand this was the era of Taker trying to put everybody over. Taker, he didn't have the title. He wasn't right. involved in the main event. He, they, they were like, listen, you're going to start putting guys over. And Taker, being the team player that he was, he said, I'm going to take Tess and I'm going to try to get this guy over. And it's just they didn't have chem- good chemistry because nobody had good chemistry with Test. <laughs> and he tried. He tried to put the guy, oh, I'm going to give you. Here, here, kid, I'm going to give you. And Test just, you know. It is what it is. Here's the thing. You put Test, you put RVD, you put Jericho, you put Flair in a, in a, in a room. And you say that somebody who's not a wrestling fan, who's the wrestler? Who are they going to pick? Test. But, again, you, can't, you, you can only go so far on looks. Because the guy had an incredible look to him, but that's about all he had. Yeah. So would you say that this is the worst match on the card for you? No, I think mine's still the tag match. And I can't you, put. Do you agree? Disagree? Match with Taker is the worst. Yeah, you can't. It's hard. And to that's make. weird, right? Because yeah. his work rate. All right, so here we go. Unsanctioned street fight. At that time, it was Shawn Michaels uh, defeating Triple H. All right, now before this, is probably going to be the longest one we talk about, right? It, it, we got time. Yeah, they went twenty. It went twenty seven and a half minutes. So they got a very long time. They had a very big build up to this this fight, the unsanctioned street fight. It had a big fight feel. It had a great, uh, like we said, a great build up. So I'll go to you first, Whitey. How do you feel about the results? And tell them about the aftermath of the fight. What happened after that kind of? All right. the lead, go go on the lead into it. Too. Yeah, go ahead. We, we know Sean Sean leaves in ninety seven. So Sean Sean ninety seven. Is, no, ninety eight. So he ninety eight. He left. He he lost to. He was in a bad way at that point. You know, he's heavily into drugs. He was at the biggest dick point of his career, where he was just being a dick to everybody. He had Vince in his back pocket. Vince was letting him get away with anything because Vince looked at him like a son. So he left. Ninety eight. Hunter takes over DX. Sean kind of comes back in like a commissioner type role. He's you know Commissioner Michaels, this and that. Goes away. You know, is flirting with coming back, flirting with coming back. They bring him back as the the leader of the NWO. So now it's Shawn Michaels, X Pac, Kevin Nash, and the Big Show, in like arguably the weirdest formation of the NWO that's ever been. Everybody hates it. It's not doing any kind of ratings when they're they're coming on. So they got to do something. He's in non physical role still at this point. He he's doing tags and stuff like that. I if I remember correctly. 
you know, he wasn't really, I think he was more kind of the figurehead. And then they were like, we got to get rid of the, away from this NWO. So we're going to put DX back together, Sean and Hunter. But Hunter said, the money's not in putting us back together, crotch chopping and doing all that. The money's in us feuding because they nobody had ever really seen that before. They they worked together, but they never had a match together against each one another in that whole time. I mean, maybe when when Hunter was like the blue blood, I think they yeah. might they might have had like a Hunter little Hurst Helmsley. Yeah. So they might have had a match then, but they didn't really work together like that until this. So this is at the time when WWE, like if you if you watch the pay-per-view, they did that really awesome uh, intro video. And this was at the height of when WWD was just doing amazing like compilations of the storyline and then the, the hype video. Build-ups. Like if you watch the WrestleMania 17 Rock and Austin. Amazing. It's like you if you don't want to watch that match after that, then you, you don't. X7 was my generation, the limp that they yeah. put that to my yeah. generation by yeah. Limp Biscuit, right? Yeah. But this was just, there was like a three-year run there where every video got you so hyped for a match. And this did that in this match. Mm-hmm. And um, They still do it great. The problem is we see it five times from the start of the show to right, the... Right, right. I need it once. Right. Just, you want to do the pre-show, do it once in the pre-show, and then don't play it again until right before they're about to walk well, this curtain. They never did it in the pre-show. No, they then. didn't. They At this point, you don't... Just, right. just before the match. Which I think that's the way it needs to be done. Right. So the match itself, how do you feel? Well... The thing is, they they got the most time because at the time, Vince had the most trust in Hunter because Rock was on his way out to go do movies. And mm-hmm. even though Vince was in bed with Rock getting money for The Rock to go make, he, he had a piece of The Rock's contract. Because there. he's The Rock. Well, no, it was the way it worked was Vince got a percentage for every movie that The Rock did. and it was Why? A, because he was an, under contract with WWE or because he was using well, the Vince namesake? Kind of, Vince kind of brokered the deal. With, with The Rock and The Rock's agent, and they, you know, you're going to go do a movie. I need a piece of that movie that you do, right, especially right. if you're going to use The Rock. But then The Rock, because Vince had helped them out so much, gave, said, here, I think, me, I don't know if it's to this day, but for a long time, the, Vince got a piece of Rock's money for all the movies that he made. Wow. So anyway, Rock's on his way out. Stone Cold had taken his ball and gone, gone home. So who's the next guy? I mean, Taker's your, your steadfast guy, but he's not your main event guy. At the time, Hunter was the main event guy. And... So he said to Hunter, you guys are going to get the most. Obviously, this had the biggest package. This had the biggest buildup, the biggest storyline. Mm-hmm. And the match itself, it's like, you know, I remember going into that match, you know, I was in high school at the time and and saying, "Does Mike, can Michael still go? You know, can you know, he's Triple H is arguably the top guy in the business at the point. And this is post quad tear. Yes. So he's lock cocked and ready to rock. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is the best he ever looked. Because he came back from that quad tear, definitely was... Prob- I don't want to say definitely, but he was probably doing some 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 things in a needle. Oh, I mean, <laughs> some anabars, some yeah. D-bars. You see D-ball. the veins and stuff. That yeah. are, you know. He comes back like Ripped. 40 pounds of muscle but from he got, pre-injury. They, they People who work for WWE, when he came back from that quad injury and at the garden, and he had you know the jean jacket and all that, and he came yeah, back with a fucking well. at 260 with if a six-pack. If you listen to that, he gets one of the biggest pops ever yeah. you know, coming back out. So Vince was like, all right, we're going to hitch the wagon to this guy. Of course, and this yeah. is what a lot of people call the reign of terror when he was you know on top of raw beating everybody you know so this for him to go in there and lose to michaels was that was a pretty big deal you know what i mean yeah and and they 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 had a they had a pretty good match i mean michaels was like, you say the best match of the night would match of the night for this far not yeah do you agree with the result of michaels going over yeah i think michaels had to go over and I think it was smart to let Triple H get his heat back because I think what well, they 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 had the rematch at Survivor Series in the Elimination Chamber. Yes, so. he was in the Elimination Chamber. Yeah, I mean, or maybe they had before. What's what's the pay per view before Survivor Series? Whichever uh, um, was it? 
They I, they usually did elimination chambers either at No Way Out. Well, that was or, the first. Um, that was the first elimination chamber because I think didn't was Michaels the winner of the first one. I'm not sure, but they in the beginning. I think they, Triple H in the beginning uh, they did them at No Way Out and um, 2003. There was one other no, card. I think, Vengeance. Those I'm, were the two cards they did them on. If I'm almost positive, I think the first one was 2002 Survivor Series. That would make sense. And I think Michaels went over in that one. And I think him and Triple H had a rematch because. He hit him with the sledgehammer, and that was like, you know, Triple H getting his heat back. So, yeah, he go, you know, Michaels goes over, hits him with the sledgehammer. And I think Michaels was like on in a wheelchair on Raw, and I think they did an angle right. where they wheeled him out, and then he, he jumped out of the wheelchair and super kicked Triple H, and then they had the rematch. Right, right, right. Okay. I will say this. SummerSlam, big four, arguably number two or number three, right? I mean, Royal Rumble's probably two, SummerSlam's yeah, three. At this point, is Survivor Series three? No, Survivor Series was still... The, was always the distant uh, fourth, right? You know that they created Survivor Series to counteract uh, Starcade. Like, Vince Vince held up the pay-per-view companies because he 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 was like, you're going to show Starcade, but guess what? I'm going to do Survivor Series, and it was just a fuck you to, to Jim Crockett promotions. Right, right. Because Starcade was the WrestleMania. That was their WrestleMania. Yeah, it was their right. WrestleMania. So, 1987... Vince said, I'm going to run a pay-per-view on Thanksgiving night, and here's your choice. Either you have the WWF and, and Survivor Series, or you can have Starcade. You're not going to have both. So it was a it was a ploy, and that's why they moved Starcade to Christmas. Wow. And what do you think about the overall match itself? So just the point I was making there with the whole pay-per-view thing, eight matches, big, you know, big card. This is the only gimmick match. Yeah. yeah. But it, this is the only it wasn't gimmick a gimmick... Match. In my opinion, it wasn't a gimmick just to be a gimmick. There was right. a re- there was a there was a perfect reason there was, there was a gimmick. Blood. It yeah. was personal. Yeah, it meant and something. He had the broken back, so it was like, well, I can't sanction this. Get it? I understand that the unsanctioned thing. I understand it's kayfabe, the whole deal. I don't like the unsanctioned thing because if it's gonna be unsanctioned, get the ref out of there. If it's an unsanctioned match, why is a ref giving a sanctioned finish? No. I understand he's it's just not, there to count the pin. But it's not sanctioned. You just need somebody to count the pin. So you need a referee in the match. I understand your point. Yeah, I, I, just, I, I, it, I get it your kind point. Of, it's just, the unsanctioned thing kind of does this thing where it kind of makes kayfabe hard. Well, the you know storyline story is that we're going to allow you to have the match on our TV. We're going to allow you to have the match in our ring. You're going to use one of our, our referees. But it's not part of the WWE or F or whatever. Right, WWE. Right, right. Like, we're not, this is not sanctioned by us. We're not going to recognize who wins. Yes, it's going to go in the record books, but it's not, it's not, you know, like on your overall win-loss record, it's not going to count. And did they ring a bell? Did they ring a bell at the start of this match? Because they shouldn't be. I mean, even if they did. When they did did the unsanctioned match with on Dynamite a couple. Yeah, like the lights out and all that. The lights went out. The lights came back on. They didn't ring a bell to start it. Yeah. They still had the ref too, which I get. You need Listen, you need a ref. If 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 that's your if that's one of the only cons to the match, that's pretty damn the, good. Yeah, I mean, it that was, was your favorite match on the card. Definitely. All Hard right, and I agree. At at least in my opinion, I think getting the heat back on Triple H at the end was the right move by far. Well, further's the story. Yeah, it had, and they needed that, and, and, it work, and it works here because it's like you're at the end of the match. You're on this high of like, oh, Michaels is back. He's still the heartbreak kid. He's still the showstopper. He still has it. He's so those next two matches they main evented, right? They had two more after that, or one more. The next, I don't think Michaels wrestled on the next pay per view, the September. I'm saying the next two times they faced off, they were both main events. Yes. Yeah. Right. So, you know, yeah. they did the they did the job. They did what they had it's to do. Long term storytelling. Long term storytelling, which was a big thing back then, and it's. Well, Less no, of a thing now. Back. It's coming back. Yeah, it's coming so. back in the form of AEW, but we're going to get into that 
We're gonna get into I that don't later. I think just in the form of AEW because look at what they're. Yeah, we'll get to it later. But the the Paul Heyman Roman Reigns thing. Oh yeah. Oh right. This story's been going on. That's fine. That's a very long one. That's good. Yeah. So that was the we'll call it the co-main event. Right, it wasn't, but we call but it. They pitched it as a main event. Yeah. yeah. Side really notes, good. side notes to this that I just think we should bring up. Right. Uh, very, very good segments in between the matches. Yeah. Um, Bischoff, general manager of Raw, Stephanie McMahon, general manager of SmackDown, Amazing. phenomenal back and forth banter. When it meant something, like when the the two the separation of the two companies when it meant something, they were generally in a competition with one another. Of course. So this is a co branded pay per view. So both general managers are there, and they're. You know, oh, this my match is going to be better than your match. I mean, that's just great storytelling. Yeah, no, one hundred percent fighting over the general manager's office because there's only one in the building. Exactly. Full. And like we talk about in matches, no wasted motion. There's no wasted motion on this show. At least how it played on Peacock. I don't right. know how it played live. Yeah. But it's like match, backstage segment, match, match, backstage segment. Little, you know, Taz and and Cole. Well, that's King. exactly what I was just about to say. Go for it. No, I was going to say the the commentators on this. You got you almost have four Hall of Fame commentators at this point. Two on SmackDown, Michael Cole and Taz, and then you got uh, Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler, which is, I mean, I I'm not I'm, none of them are the best to ever do it. No, but they've although you could say Jim, but I don't know. Jr. I like Jr. I like VKM on the call. Yeah, but VKM is uh, could, oh, what a maneuver. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, it's a lot of that. It's not you know Jim Ross is going to paint a picture. I no, do one of my favorites. One of my favorites. I think for all of his flaws, it's today. But that's so the right. next pay per view. I know you're talking about the next pay per view that was Unforgiven. Just oh, okay. just side notes that I'm trying to stay with it. The buy rate of this, just so we'll get into it right before the main event. The buy rate of this was uh, a little bit over half a million, which was pretty big at that time for a pay per view. That's nice. Half a million pay per view buys, which is pretty pretty big at the time. Um, it actually ranks as the number one SummerSlam watched of all time. So that's 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 uh, pay per view buys, right? Yeah, yeah, right. So it had some meat. It had, obviously we're going through this card. It had some weight to it. You know, it was very good. Well, I think part of that, I mean, part of those numbers skewed no because this is right after WCW's gone. So now there's no competition. So you want to watch there, wrestling? It's, and it's and, not skewed. It's just the, the time period. You know what I mean? I think this this pay per view. You know, but like obviously the numbers are going to jump and it's going to be the highest from everything behind it because right. behind it there were options. This yeah. is the first summer. Where you have no options on mainstream wrestling. So to do five hundred, that's not bad. I mean, you figure if if the two companies together were doing six fifty, and now you're doing five hundred, so you lost. You've that. converted a lot of fans, though. Right. You have. And how many, how many on this card were from there? Booker T. Well, from from that were Rob Van Dam, WCW guys. You no, got, Rob Van Dam's ECW. Oh, ECW, you right? Yes, Jericho Flair, Jericho Flair, Mysterio, Eddie Benoit, RVD was ECW. You had Lance Storm was on WCW TV. Right. Booker T. Gold Dust at the end was at on WCW TV. So he was a WWE so guy. So there's a high rate of um, non WWE workers yeah. on this in this card. Well, you gotta you gotta remember this is 2001 was when WWE bought WCW, and really they didn't buy. It's not like they bought all the contracts out. All they bought were the TV the the they didn't have because they didn't have TV rights, so they couldn't do any shows on TNT or TBS. But they bought the video library and all the IP that came along with WCW. So that's basically what they got for the three million or whatever it was. Right. Three million dollars. The problem was Turner was still paying so many of these people. So like at the time, um, Booker T was went went right over because he said, Oh, I'll forego my contract because I'm gonna make more money going over there. But Flair, they couldn't sign Flair, they couldn't sign Mysterio, they couldn't sign um maybe that's it that's on this particular card, but Hogan, Hall, Nash, mm-hmm. Luger. 
uh, Buff Bagwell. I mean, there's a lot of guys that Buff and stuff. Buff and stuff. <laughs> yeah. But there's a lot of guys that they couldn't sign. So all these WCW guys were the guys that either came over before the company folded, or they were guys that came right. over right when the company. Flair ended. and didn't Flair and Jericho come over before? No, no, Flair came after the fact. Flair came after Jericho. Jericho was the before. one of the first jump, the ones to jump ship, and then Eddie. Remember Eddie uh, Benoit. Guerrero and uh, Perry Saturn, they came over there, the Radicals, Saturn, and that was before. That was right before WCW folded. So that's why Vince. These are all these guys are on the the pay per view, but there's no Goldberg, there's no Sting, right. there's no right. Luger, there's no you know what I mean. So the last thing before the main event that I'll, I'll just say is I don't know how much the viewers are gonna take into consideration the Wrestling Observer newsletter. Dave Meltzer. I think most of the people. Most do, people do, right? Yeah. So you know how he has his ratings. Well, there's people, people like I don't. I'm not a huge fan of, of Meltzer because he reports things that are not necessarily fact. Right. But he reports them as fact. Meltzer also just. I'll be quick about it. He just seems like stuck up a little. You know. Uh, I think 100. percent I think he's, he's one of these people who's like he's like. Well, you got people a wrestling purist, I guess. Yeah. You got a lot of people that respect and love Dave Meltzer within the business, and then you got a lot right. of people like Jim Ross loves Dave. Well, Meltzer. for that reason, I'm just gonna tell you right now. In this match, in this card, I should say, Meltzer has a uh, 4.25 for Triple H and Shawn Michaels. Well-deserved. Yep. Uh, he has Brock and Rock, which we're going to talk about in a minute, at 3.25. Well, just, just before you uh, – don't mean to interrupt you. Just before you go, Meltzer rates his matches on a five-star scale. Right. So that, right. just so people – Just understand. so everybody knows, it, yeah. it's, it's, it's a five-star. And it's like a five-star scale with, like, you can do, like, a five-point – I mean, a 4.1, a 3.2, right. you know what I mean? Well, a 4.25 is pretty good yeah. in Meltzer's eyes. Just oh, so we, Yeah, so just so we know. So, uh, you know, other things, uh, 2.75 was Jericho Flair – uh, Benoit and RVD got a 3.5. The tag team match was a 3. Point being, the lowest rated was Undertaker Test, which we just spoke about before. It was a 2.25. And that's still not even that bad. Right. It's still too high. Which It's high. It's, high. <laughs> it's still too high. No, I agree with well, you. Well, you know. I'm just saying, and what did he, did you, do you have the overall rating for the show that he gave it? I do not have the overall rating. Rey Mysterio, Kurt Angle got a 3.75. Yeah. So, I mean, very good numbers. Very, oh, you know, sure. whatever. But... Let's get into it. The main event, the main event got 16 minutes as compared to the co-main event that got 27. But I digress. We call it a little uh, passing of the torch, changing of the guard, right? Brock Lesnar goes over the Rock. Jim, you could open it up for the undisputed championship. I mean, two, two very. We've been saying. I feels like we're saying this about everybody, but right. again, two of the greatest to do it, especially for that. I mean, Rock's. Top three all time, in my opinion, right? Top five all time. I'm, I mean, hard, in a lot of hard, people's hard opinion. It's a hard <laughs> argument. I mean, but he is one of the, you know, one of the superstars that's responsible for getting them through the Attitude Era. Well, think about it this way: The Rock's last match at WrestleMania 19 was phenomenal, Rock and Austin. And then, oh no, he did he did one the next year at WrestleMania, but still one of the biggest matches on that WrestleMania card. So from WrestleMania 20 to WrestleMania 28, he did not wrestle. Came back at WrestleMania 28 and had the match of the night. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's <laughs> 10 years later, so, 8 years later. Two phenomenal athletes, both selling great. It's almost like they're trying to figure out who could outsell the Oh, yeah. One. You know, and I, I love a good sell because it's another one of these things that just kind of has gone by the wayside in today's wrestling. Liked it, second best match of the card. I think, obviously, the right guy goes over for whether Rock was going to go fuck off to Hollywood or not, I think the right guy went over here. 100%. 100%. And this is, you know, this yeah. is like Rock's kind of swan song because who knew, you know? He, yeah. 
they did, they knew he was going to go film Walking Tall, and then he was going to come, and then they didn't know he was going to come back. They just got lucky that he came back because I think at the time the feeling was he'll kind of be in and out, you know. And is it fair to is it fair to say that he's kind of responsible for the creation of WWE films? No. You don't think so? Because nah. like Vince goes on to no. try to catch the and same lightning in a bottle, but now he owns it all. Well, here's, and you can't leave me because we're, you're still working for me. The, the, the reason I can argue is because he started in '87 with No Holds Barred with Hogan. Okay. So that's that. Hogan started WWE films because Hogan. So Rocky Three is probably responsible for WWE films. Not necessarily. I think when Vince saw the potential of what Hogan could bring as a you know because Hogan was bigger than wrestling. You know, because a lot of people, they weren't, I'm going to go watch WWF. I'm going to go watch Hulk Hogan. You know what I mean? Yeah. And even right. though Hogan was on the last match of the show every single night, it was still, I want to go watch Hulk Hogan. Because he was he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, for Christ's sakes. I mean, yeah. But I think that Brock being the youngest undisputed champion, right? I think the changing of the guard, I think that whole, the way they went about it was the right way, right? Oh, I mean, this was definitely the passing of the torch. I, I mean, mean, you, you want to look how, how, it to, felt how like to book that. a monster fast. Watch the way they fucking brought Brock Lesnar but, up. But Brock is a monster totally in a different ball game than any other monsters we've seen. Well, he you know what I'm saying? He didn't, work, he didn't work like a big man. He worked like right. anybody on the, like any of those mid-card guys. Like Strowman, for example, is a monster. He's athletic, but he is no Brock Lesnar. And no, that's Brock clear Lesnar's as day. You know what I mean? Yeah, the exactly. The closest thing to his like physical skill set and body and all that is probably Roman. But... Brock's a, a true one of one. Yeah, he is a one on one. So you mentioned Hogan before, right? You just mentioned him, and I will say that when the broadcast went off the air that night, The Rock had a promo. He was being booed at in the, Nass- in the Nassau Coliseum. He had a promo, and in the promo, he said, "The sing along with The Rock is over." The crowd booed him. He walked off. Didn't return for six months. In January two thousand three, where he turned heel and then fought Hogan at WrestleMania. So. Well, not at WrestleMania. He, re- he wrestled Hogan at No Way Out after. Well, it led up to the rematch yeah. at WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Hogan, you're right. Hogan yeah. Rock too. Yep. And uh, other quick notes of the of the card or the uh, the aftermath of the card, we'll call it. The Undertaker went on to challenge Brock Lesnar for that was his first title defense. So now he gets over on the Rock, and now we're now we're headed on upward and onward, and we're gonna we're gonna take on Undertaker, which is just when you really look at it. <laughs> You know, that's kind of crazy. The rocket, the rocket was strapped to his back. Yeah, oh, hundred percent. Proverbial rocket. And Shawn Michaels, he would return to the ring full time at Survivor Series and win the World Heavyweight Championship in the first ever Elimination Chamber. That's what you were saying before. So overall, one of the definitely the best SummerSlam. One of the best events that you can come up with. We talked about it, floor to ceiling. Um, any last notes before we close out our first? Uh, flashback. Well, typically because WrestleMania and SummerSlam are the two big events. Like the, you know, they're not gimmicks. Like Survivor Series was a gimmick pay per view. Royal Rumble is a gimmick pay per view. TLC is gimmicky. Yeah, they're all get, you know, a lot of gimmickies. But SummerSlam is just like a prestige pay per view. And like WrestleMania, it's either the start or the finish of uh, like a jumping off point to lead to new storylines, right. or like the culmination of storylines. And this one very much felt like this is the the jumping into the new stratosphere because, like I was saying in the in the open. You know, Cena, Batista, and Randy Orton were all coming up within the next couple of weeks or months. Yeah, they or, were all running OVW right now. Right. You know, and Lesnar was in that class with those guys. So this was like, this is the new, this is going to be like, you know, they didn't call it the new generation, but it's this is the new. Well, the ruthless the aggression, ruthless aggression was right. literally starting. Right. You have anything to close it out? Last thing I want to say about things Unforgiven, which I believe is that next month, Triple H 
battles RVD, right? This is the, that next Unforgiven 2002 is when Triple H battles RVD. I didn't look at the cards. So I'm almost remember. positive it's that next Unforgiven. It's Unforgiven, I believe, 02. Match with RVD, Flair comes out, takes the sledge out of his hand, turns on RVD, which is yes. ultimately going to yes. become the beginning of evolution. evolution. But that is my final thought on it. Uh, quick little shout out of the sponsors, House of Havoc Podcasting, Tiger Pack Productions, Sachi De Niro, and Stay Thirsty Company.